the good, the bad, the ugly of the Sunday victory. It does feel like a victory over the Detroit Lions. We're going to put it under the lens, PFF, John Costco, here on your latest Locked On Browns. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB, Locked On Browns, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Appreciate everybody who makes Locked On Browns their first listen day in, day out, whatever podcast platform you use. Make sure you're subscribed, following the show, available daily, available for always free. It's It's been one already as we sit down here about midday on Monday. And I got to tell you guys, um, to get me off of social media, it takes. It, it takes some doing to get me to not even want to go to social media. Um, we're recording this before uh, Coach Stefanski's availability and player availability here on Monday. Um, but you know how we do it with John Costco. We come in, we put it under the lens, and we just simply talk about, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, obviously, you know, we'll get to offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, third segment. We'll probably shift a little bit, talk a little Ravens, as it's going to be. Um, <laughs> it's funny, we do these crossover shows, you know, Locked On Browns, Locked On Ravens, as you guys know, those shows because every Thursday. Um, this is essentially going to be a Locked On Browns, Locked On Ravens podcast for about the next three weeks. Uh, that's the way the NFL set it up. So there is that fact to it. John, um, and look, yesterday, obviously, you know, fans aggravated, some players aggravated. But at the end of the day, you did what you needed to do. And if you got the win. I don't care. Again, I mean, I don't care if it's the most beautiful thing in the world. I don't care if it's a broken down 30-year-old Toyota that gets you from place to place. You had to get that win yesterday. Otherwise, these next two weeks probably were almost going to be moot to begin with. But you get it. And if one thing we learned from yesterday, and I did say this on yesterday's show, is Miles Garrett is probably, and no, undoubtedly, the best player on the Cleveland Browns. But right now, Nick Chubb is the most important player there is for the Cleveland Browns. And that necessarily shouldn't be the case. Yeah, that shouldn't be the case. Um when you have a when you have a running back and you need a running back to be able to function as a team, um you have problems, right? But um, Nick Chubb had a really good game yesterday, obviously. Um, you know, he was the second highest graded offensive player um, on the on the field for the Browns. Joel Batonio had another, you know, really excellent game. Um, but, you Wait, know. Is that you, how you pronounce his name? Because somebody should tell LeVar Arrington that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, LeVar had a, had a shaky first half when he was a, a color commentator on that game. He picked it up. It was, it was better in the second half. But, um Felt like yeah, a Nick, bullpen Nick, day, you know. You, you know, in Major League Baseball, where they said we don't have a starter, we're just going to throw a whole. It felt like you know, Lavar was given the assignment about three hours before and said, "Had at a big guy." Right, exactly. Um, and I, he he did like he did, he did warm up in the second half, but um, yeah, Nick Chubb was was excellent. You know, he had a, a overall grade of an eighty three point eight. Um, you know, he four, four six missed tackles in this one, and you know he is a stud, and we we've. You know, ad nauseum, we've talked about how good he is, but um, you know, it kind of underlies the the fact that like this is a this is a running football team right now. Uh, the offensive line was was again excellent outside of Blake Hansen yesterday's game, um, and he was at he was actually 
pretty good in a run game. He just was really bad in pass protection. But overall, the offensive line kind of showing who they are as, as a unit. And Nick Chubb finding those holes. Dearness Johnson had some had some good runs in there as well. And, uh, you know, they, they got it done, which is what matters, even though it was very ugly. John, now this is one thing that's a little weird, because um, I remember we were singing the praises of Blake Hans as the left tackle for this team. And I believe it was like 70-71 over his three-game stretch where he was the left tackle. What do we make of this that he's just struggling so much more? Is it the fact that, you know, maybe you can only truly play one side? Because it seems like he is a night and day player. He was a functional piece on the left side. He was doing what he had to do. Was by no means spectacular, but he's a liability on the right side. Yeah, he absolutely is. And it very much could be that, right? Like, I think we've seen that with Panay Sula this year. He comes into the league. Um, he played left tackle his entire life, and he's now, you know, everybody touted him as the, the next greatest tackle of the of all time or whatever. And and he's really struggling as, as a rookie because he's had to switch from left to right. Um, you know, and some some guys can can flip. They can flip, and it's not a problem for them. And, and there are some that can't. And, you know, for whatever, it, you know, he's it's, he appears to be one of these guys that really can't flip it. You know, this game, this game he, he was not like – he was a 66.6 overall. So his, his run blocking was a 77.1. It was actually his second best run blocking uh, game of, of the season. But his pass protection was a 42.4. He, he gets beat over and over and over again at that right tackle position in pass protection. And it kind of like shows how badly they missed Jack Conklin over there. So, um, yeah, some guys are some guys can do it. And he's, he's not one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's not gone for well for Mr. Hans, but obviously, as you saw yesterday, um, the whole the line as a whole um, was able to get it done as far as you know setting up Nick Chubb to you know be the ultimate decisive factor. John, the pass game yesterday again, nothing really worked. Um, there were times where, and it was weird because we never really see the Browns get bailed out or get the you know fortunate role of officials. Uh, calls and they certainly did yesterday with uh, you know uh, Detroit you know secondary getting you know handsy at times getting called for it but no sink Baker two interceptions um, you know the, the Jarvis one just I mean wide open by probably five to seven yards and you probably sailed it over his head closer to ten yards um, we, we all know what's going on and you know obviously you know we had mentioned this just a little bit before you hit the record button. Um, there's going to be no favors done through PFF with the understanding of, you know, Hey, Oh, so we can grade you on a 50% curve because you're only 85% or you're a 40% curve because you're only 60. You got to grade it and you're going to grade it. And it was not just wasn't good. No, no, it wasn't. So he uses a 50.6 in this game. And like you're saying, like we don't grade on a curve. We go, Hey, well the weather conditions in this game are really bad. So like, you know, instead of a, a minus one throw here, this is actually going to be a minus 0.5. We don't, we don't do that. Um, we kind of just evaluate it is, you know, what it is on the field. Baker's playing hurt. He's chose to play hurt and he's going to be evaluated as he's playing hurt. Um, and there's no curve there. And, you know, clean in a clean pocket, he was a 48 um, a grade. Um, when he was blitz, he was a 25. Like the, it was just, it was not good. And you talk about, you talk about the first interception where he just sailed it over Jarvis Landry's head. Like the inner you people, people will think, oh, this got in a stat line that that defensive back, I don't even remember who it was, had an interception this game. And it's going to say, oh, he had a good game because he had an interception this game. But like we how we grade like interceptions aren't just like automatic, like big time grades for those players. And 
he he gets a zero grade for that play because he actually got roasted on that play and then got made up. He made up for it because the ball kind of happened to be thrown to him. So it's like he doesn't even get a positive play for that. And that's how bad that throw is. And, it, and essentially, it looked like they kind of looked like those games where the wind was a was a big factor. And it Baker almost at the, a lot of times out there looked like he like almost didn't want to be out there as, as in terms of how he was playing because it was, it was so bad. Like he was, he was fighting through all his injuries and stuff like that. So not good. Um, you know, he was only pressured on seven of his, of his 32 dropbacks. So it wasn't as if he was heavily under pressure in the game. Um, and, you know, he, he, he just struggled. It's, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, certainly no doubt about people's Jones yesterday. And, you know, at some points it seems like that's maybe starting to be his guy. Um, but a smart move, obviously, in my opinion, by the Browns yesterday. Even if you thought he was a go, uh, this Raven stretch is the more important thing. And, you know, you should be able to do what you got to do to get, uh, you know, through the lines. Granted, they did. Uh, the rest of the wide, the wide receiver room, though, John, I mean, th- th- this is going to have to be something where this play of this group overall has to jump. Um, you know, Ravens, if anything, they're going to score points. You're going to have to score points against this team over the ne- next couple of weeks. Where is this wide receiver group after yesterday? I'm not good. I mean, your highest graded receiving <laughs> player was Nick Chubb in the game. When you when you when your <laughs> your bell cow running back is your highest graded receiver is never a never a good thing, especially one that's not not like a you know a, a Christian McCaffrey type guy or a Kareem Hunt type guy or whatever. So um, you know, Jamarcus Bradley seen obviously his first action of the year. Um he, he had two catches on two targets. Had the one really nice one on the sideline, so that was that was a positive thing. But again, you're without you're without Anthony Schwartz, you're out without Donovan Peoples Jones, so you are you know going into the bottom of the barrel of your of your wide receiver room. So there is an issue there, and we know that Jarvis Landry's playing banged up as well. They need to be better. Um, and Joku had a solid bounce back game, you know, after an atrocious game last week. Um, his his overall grade in this one was a seventy five point seven, so he he bounced bounced back nicely. But I think you you need to see more from from Austin Hooper, he had a drop in this game. You need to see more from Rashad Higgins. He had a drop in this game as well. So there, there was just a couple of plays that, like, yeah, Baker wasn't good, but then you had a couple of drops in there that didn't didn't help him out at all. So um, sloppy performance by the by the receiving unit. We know they can get it done. We know this these guys can get it done. We've seen them get it done. Um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago against against the. Uh, uh, Cincinnati Bengals and early in the season against the the Chargers and it was it was mostly a uh, you know it, that was with Odell on the field but it wasn't him doing anything so we know what they, these guys can do it and they just need to step it up and look and this is and granted this should not be the case when we're talking about a quarterback halfway through his fourth season in the NFL um, but with his struggles when the ball is there though come on guys you, you got to come up with it um, and especially when you have everybody saying, oh, we know he's struggling. We know what he's dealing with. Well, you know, when everything does break the right way, and the ball's there. Got to secure that sucker. And we're going to flip it up here. We're going to go to the defense. I think there were some players yesterday we haven't actually had the opportunity to talk about in a positive light here on Lockdown Browns with John Costco. We're going to get that here in a bit. Uh, more coming. Lockdown Browns under the lens with Mr. John Costco. Rolling on through, we're going to hit the defensive side of the ball now. Uh, always appreciative for everybody who makes us your first listen. Locked on Browns, again, whatever podcast platform you use, available on the daily, always available, free. Um, John, I think, and look, credit to the Lions and, you know, credit to 
Tim Boyle, and I only called him Doyle about 12 times yesterday, so I'm progressing. Granted, I'll probably never have to say the guy's name again in my life. Um, but they did the smart thing of, you know, getting the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. Um, but I am surprised at the end of the day, you know, the lack that they were able to, you know, get in, get involved, even put a lick on him. Granted, you know, sometimes the game plan for it, but sometimes, you know, better players beat good game plans. And it never really seemed like it came to that much of fruition yesterday. No, uh, you know, I they get, you get rid of the ball quickly, right? That That's a huge part of what it is that a, a team can do to mitigate a pass rush. Um, we've seen that done to the Browns quite often. Mac Jones did it, um, even though even though the Miles Garrett was able to get a sack in that game. Ben Roethlisberger did it. He was even though he was able to get rid of the um, you know get rid of the ball pretty quickly. Miles Garrett did get a sack on him, uh, but he got rid of the he got rid of the ball in this game in two point two one seconds uh, when he was under even when he was under pressure he was still getting rid of it in two point six seconds. So. They, they had a good game plan to get, just get the ball out of his hands quickly, uh, ran a bunch of screens, um, did things to protect him and to try to mitigate what the Browns pass rush can do. Um, and, you know, Miles Garrett was still pretty solid in this game. He just didn't have a ton of pass rushing opportunities. You're talking about a 23 pass rushers in this game. He had four pressures, um, had a couple other wins as well on top of that. But like when, when that's all you get as an opportunity as a pass rusher, they're just, there just isn't, you know, there, there just isn't that many chances to get home to the quarterback. And that, he was fine in this game. He had a, an overall grade of a 75.5. Um, you know, who, guys that were, you know, you want to step up more were, would be Clowney and, you know, the Maliks and stuff like that. Both of them kind of, they were kind of non-existent as a pass rusher. But generally, if you're getting the ball, rid of the ball in 2.2 seconds, those other guys aren't going to be able to get there as quickly as Miles. He just They just don't. They just never do. So if you get a team that holds on to the ball longer, which is what you're going to get in the next couple of weeks, you, you should have uh, more, you know, more pressures that, the, that these pass rushers get. And it's going to look like what the, the product that we, we expect from this defense to be out there. Ronnie Harrison. Now, here's a player I really we haven't had the opportunity to really talk about positively at all recently. Um, and I know Brent Sobolewski mentioned it on social media. I know Pete brought it up last night. It was almost kind of like they walked him up, John, and kind of almost were like, you know what? We know the one thing you can do to us right now is run the ball. So it kind of seemed like they almost walked Ronnie Harrison up. Almost kind of felt sometimes like it looked like a four, you know, four, four, three type of look. Um, but Ronnie Harrison got involved. Um, but then there were times, and I do want to ask about John Johnson the third because. I do believe, um, you know, there might still be part of his body planted in the field where DeAndre Swift just spun him like a top. Yeah, Ronnie Harrison, um, his best game of the year so far, which is what we more in line of what we saw from him last year. Um, last year he had a seventy six point six overall. This game was a seventy nine point nine overall. Um, was really good in run defense. Didn't miss any tackles easily his easily his best game of the year and, and what more of kind of like you expected from him this year um rather than what you know what we've seen so far um yes he was in a box on a higher percentage of his snaps in this game than you know he had been previously so he, he was just in you know he was in the box on, on 11 of his of his snaps in the slot on 10 of his snaps and uh deep on on 18 of his snaps but they they utilized him more in a role and that, granted you're not really afraid of what this passing attack could do so this kind of game fit to his skill set a lot better which is which is nice and and you know he he showed showed well in this game and yeah john johnson had the the two really bad he had a missed tackle and had the the 
he just got juked out of his socks on DeAndre Swift's touchdown. And, you know, the, the whole team kind of didn't play very well in that one. But um, he's he's been – John Johnson has just been a major disappointment so far this year. He's had one good game, uh, which was against Cincinnati. Um, was solid in the Pittsburgh game in coverage as well. But really, other than that, has just been an absolute majorly major disappointment, which is weird considering that he doesn't really have any injuries to kind of like have an excuse for it, right? A lot of times you can excuse it because of injuries and stuff like that for poor play. First, his rookie year in, in L.A., he was an 81.5 in 2018. His second year was an 83.6. Then in 2019, he was a 53.5, but he was injured that year and then basically missed most of that season because of injury. And then last year, he he stepped it back up, was an 85.3. So you're kind of expecting, all right, that blip of a, of a season in 2019 was was not what you'd expect from him. And he's kind of playing at that level right now to 59.3. So he, you know, you ta- we talked about all the offseason of how this Browns secondary is going to be a lot better and he was going to be a major reason for it. And even if he played like at an average level and even not at the super high level that he had been playing in LA, it's a massive upgrade from Andrew Sandejo. But the problem is, is that it's not really anymore because um, Andrew Sandejo and, and it was just marginally worse than what he was showing last year. And, and actually this year, Andrew Sandejo's grade is a 59.8. John Johnson's is a 59.3. Like, it's just not great. That is not it by any means whatsoever. Uh, Secondary-wise, yesterday, uh, you got to see the returning Greedy Williams uh, after a little time off. Um, Denzel Ward, uh, Greg Newsom, and, you know, for the most part, the three of them playing together, which was, you know, I mean, look, you got a lot invested uh, in these three two-second-round picks. I'm sorry, two first-round picks and obviously a second-round pick. Uh, Ward, Greedy, Newsom, that trio – as it's going to head into, you know, we're going to see obviously somebody new next week with the Ravens and Rashad Bateman. We'll see if Hollywood Brown's going to be able to be go, but starting to trend. And, you know, sometimes when somebody gets injured, you plug somebody in, but it may be where this secondary could be headed anyway. But no Troy Hill, you get greedy back in, you're playing your top three corners. How did it all look yesterday? I mean, Denzel was, was you know, an 85.9 had the interception, looked really good, had, had another pass breakup in as well. So um, he was he was excellent. Um, Greedy Williams was also very good in 80.4 in coverage. Um, wasn't targeted in this game. No, he was targeted. He was targeted once. Didn't didn't give up a catch there. But broke. Yeah, it was broke early in the game. Up. That's early right. in the game because yeah, they were right. crediting. De- yeah, because that's when Lavar was crediting it to Denzel Ward. And then by the fourth replay, they kind of read that the name said Williams on the jersey. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, he, he and basically that was the only time he was targeting this game. And you know he didn't miss any tackles and was was fine enough in run defense. Um, and then and then uh, you got Greg New- Greg Newsom. He had a little bit of more of a rough game, but because he gave up a he did give up a catch, um, and wasn't great in run defense. So like from a coverage standpoint, he wasn't bad, but it was a run defense standpoint where he's bad. So this was a weird game in terms of like these corners just kind of weren't tested in game. They all looked pretty fine in coverage, um, and then. Only one that was struggled in, in the run defense was, was Greg Newsom with a 42.3 grade there. Um, did miss a tackle in, in, in run game there. Um, it is what it is. But I think I think they all looked pretty solid from a coverage standpoint, which is what you want from them. And now they, they're going to be facing up, an, obviously, a, a much tougher task coming up in, in a Sunday. 
no doubt about it. We're going to start shifting gears here um, towards, you know, Sunday, ready to get some of John's perspective. Uh, you know, Ravens pulled one out yesterday. Uh, I mean, it was kind of weird to be hoping for Andy Dalton to bail out the Browns yesterday. Um, and Mr. Huntley actually looks like a, almost like a, a hand to glove kind of fit as what you would be looking at as far as a backup quarterback, you know, for what the Ravens like to do. We're going to get to that here. Some thoughts on the Ravens as we start rolling that way Sunday night, as we will see in Baltimore, the Browns face the Baltimore Ravens. It's Thanksgiving and we all know what that means. Football and nothing goes better with football than Turkey and Betty. Bet Online has you covered all day. I'm sorry, all holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On. And it's not just football. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers. For the 2021 season, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, we are stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. The Ravens, John. Um, yesterday, obviously, poll went out. Uh, you're down to you know your your know, backup quarterback. Uh, they moved on from Le'Veon Bell this week. Oh, what a surprise! Le'Veon Bell has now torched his way out of another environment in the NFL. Um, no Lamar Jackson. No Hollywood Brown. They're still able to pull it out. Obviously, it would have been great for the Browns yesterday if it didn't go that way, but it certainly did. But, look, you still got the Ravens twice. You still have the Steelers again. You still have the Bengals again. But it all starts here, John. It's, kind of, it's, it's very, very interesting. It's not uncommon in the NFL that you see you know, two teams play each other within a three-game stretch. It is certainly different this way where it's a three-game stretch where the Browns play Baltimore, finally get a bye, then play Baltimore again. And here's Baltimore having to play the Browns, then having to gear up play Steelers, and then one more time running it back to go on the road in their third one from Baltimore's perspective to play the Browns uh, in what will uh, in what will be week 14 at First Energy. Yeah, this is a huge advantage for the Cleveland Browns, right? Because even if you don't win this one on Sunday night at at Baltimore the Baltimore Ravens then have to turn around and go play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then they have to turn around and play you again on both of those games are road games for the Baltimore Ravens. So it, it's and the Browns get up that buy in between so they can, you know, Hey, this is what worked. This is what didn't work against the Ravens and they can adjust and, and come out with a better game plan. Whereas, you know, that the Ravens, you know, when you, when you have something like that, where you a lot of times you make minor adjustments in terms of what your game plan is when you have, opponent that quickly back to back and you have another opponent you have to pair, prepare for um and there's going to be some you know dip, you know game plan differences and stuff like that but you can't really do much much to change what you did um because of you know the opponent in between so the browns have a, a big advantage in this and they I, I would expect them to at least split these this series um because because of it they they should be able to win that second game so if you can come in here and, and sunday night football um, and show the world that you are for back, you know, back and for real, and and you are a, a playoff contender and a Super Bowl contender. You absolutely have to win this game on Sunday night. Um, and yeah, the Ravens are banged up, the Browns are banged up, so you got two banged up teams. But this is this is a statement game that 
it's not the end of the world if you lose it, but it can be a massive launch pad to for the rest of the season if they can pull it out. And some good news, uh, fingers crossed here. Uh, Coach Stefanski has just said he expects Kareem Hunt and Jack Conklin to at least return to practice this week. He is hopeful with the eyes of both returning uh, Sunday night in Baltimore. Um, look, Blank Hands has done the best he could to this point. We'll see how it works out for Jack Conklin, obviously, when you're talking about his elbow injury. Um, for Kareem, today would be day 36, I believe, uh, since the calf injury against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and this is one, and actually, I didn't want to get to this, but I really, I know there were points yesterday where people were wondering where Nick Chubb was, and I'm sure everybody was getting a little nervous. Was he hurt? Was you know the you know the conditioning maybe not there? But it was really some smart tactical thinking in the fact that you know I may need him to close this out, and luckily they did play that card because they certainly did need Nick Chubb to close it out. That's how they when when they have. Kareem and Chubb out there that's kind of how they do use them anyways like Chubb will sit a series and yep. it'll be Hunt out there unless so, you get gassed out I'll put the other one in but otherwise this is your opportunity son right and and we've we've known Dearness Johnson we think what he's shown over the past month like that guy can be trusted so smart, you can put him smart out. smart patient runner even that one in the backfield yesterday where he duped that guy and I mean, literally got nine yards after it. I mean, it was just, it was a really, it was a thing of beauty, knowing where he had to be. And then once knowing he was physically past that guy, plant the left foot, go north 100 miles an hour. Absolutely. And so it's not as if like previously where you just, you weren't quite sure of like, all right, can our backup like, you know, hit these holes and be an effective runner for us? You know, he can be now. So why, why would you, you know, run Chubb 30 times in a game? It, it doesn't make sense. So you, you, keep him fresh and also coming off of COVID um, you know, I, some, some people have it worse than others and whatnot. I had COVID and it took, you know, my legs would get tired more, a little bit more quickly when I would work out. And it took, it took a couple of weeks for that to, to go away. And it, and maybe, you know, maybe Chubb is in that situation or whatever, but it's, I don't, I mean, you know, I don't know what his symptoms are and it were or whatever, but he's back out there and he looked, he looked fresh. He just, he did look fresh. So um it's just good usage of the running back room when you you don't have to run this guy into the ground we saw what happens with derrick henry who's on pace for like 500 carries this year and you run a guy so much into the ground he's gonna break a foot and um yeah that's the 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 thing you want to be able to do is keep your players fresh so they they handled it correctly and and you have a guy that you can a backup there that you can trust and and dearance johnson to, to be able to do that uh, I do want to get to this a little bit. Um, this Ravens team, a little bit, I would say, different from you know years past. Um, Bateman has certainly brought in, I think, the stability as somebody that you know portrays as a future number one wide receiver. They've never really had this type of guy. Mark Andrews still a baller. You know, Sammy Watkins. You know, there's times where you see some things. There's times where you realize he was never the player we all hope he was going to be. Um, you know, Marquise uh, Hollywood Brown obviously brings the Jets to it. Talk a little bit about where this, you know, Ravens offense as it's currently constructed is as they're finally maybe after all these years with Lamar finding a type of wide receiver core that works with him. Yeah, so they've made a more concerted effort to pass the ball more often this year rather than just be a run first team and hope maybe they didn't have a choice. To be fair, maybe they didn't have a choice with the guys they lost. But go ahead. Maybe, and I, but part of it also is that like Lamar is not like he's not a prolific passer, right? So like his strength is clearly his, his running ability and the scheme is what helps that passing game to have guys open and, and 
and just have him have an easier job to to get it to them. Um, and so now he's got, you know, obviously much more you know, better talent than he has previously. You got Sammy Watkins, who I know he's old and, and, you know, he's kind of been tossed around the league for a bit, but he's still a, a talented guy. You know, Rashad Bateman, I loved him coming out. I think he can he can turn into, uh, you know, maybe one of the best wide receiver prospects out of this draft class that was, included Jamar Chase um, and Devonta Smith. And then uh, Hollywood Brown is, is, you know, we know what he can do. He's, he's an absolute burner. He can take the top off defense. And then Mark Andrews just works, works over the middle of the field. So he's got, he's got a full compliment on his, on his offense there now to be able to throw it to. Um, and these guys, these guys can really kind of break, break it open at any point in time. So with Lamar's running ability and, and those weapons that he has, I mean, it's difficult to defend against, and and he does have the best probably supporting cast he's had in his career, um, and it's, it just kind of now depends on Lamar being able to find those open guys and, and get it to them ac- you know, accurately, which he does struggle with. He's not a consistent passer that way. He still hasn't developed into that guy yet, um, so he's – you know, it's it's more scheme and guys getting open for him type type to be able to to make make things happen and the, with their passing attack. John, there's been at times where this Ravens defense has had some serious serious issues. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals obviously handed in their lunch week one. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, who at the time were on much more stable ground, I would say emotionally and talent wise, um, you know, gave them a run for their money. And this is you know hope you know something that you're hopeful for Sunday night is, you know, that, you know, you're playing a secondary that at times has had leaks. Sometimes has had lapses. Uh, so you hope maybe you can get that nice you know, romance, that nice harmony of, you know, hopefully getting the passing game involved with the running game. Right. So, I mean, this is kind of like how the, the Raven, the Ravens are obviously really talented. They got talented guys in that secondary. They got talented guys up front and it's, more of a communication issue type thing that they've had that's plagued them this year when they get they do get beat or uh, just like a, like against the Bengals just failure to tackle guys um and then they the problem is is that like so against the Bengals right so last year when they played against the Bengals they blitzed Joe Burrow like 25 times and then you know held him to like a passer rating of like something like a throwing it into the dirt or something like that um, and they had, you know, a couple of interceptions, multiple sacks, and he just, just wrecked Joe Burrow. His grade was like a 20 something. It was just terrible. This game against, you know, when they, when they went up against them, they, they went up with that same game plan. It's like, all right, let's blitz the hell out of them. And it didn't work. It didn't work at all because Joe Burrow is one of the highest graded quarterbacks against the blitz this year because he has Jamar Chase that he trusts that he can get it to, who's one of the highest graded wide receivers when the, when the other team blitzes as well. So they had to actually call off the dogs. Because it was, it was they were just getting shredded by the uh, by their blitz. So they're still going to rely on that blitz. They're going to go. We're going to blitz first, and if you can't stop it, we're just going to keep blitzing. And then if you can stop it, then that's when they'll adjust from it. But um, you know, for for the Ravens defense, so like like I said, it's a communication issue. It's not a talent issue by any means. So they if they are on the same page, they are be a formidable opponent in that regard. And, you know, this this year they're middle of the pack and overall grade for for a defense. And that kind of shows that, like, there is those highs and lows. They're, they've had some games that, that they look really good, um, but there are also, you know, games where they, they just get shredded like the Bengals won or the Raiders in week one. Um, but no doubt about it, they, they can still put put up a good performance on defense. 
And we're going to close it out here, John. And I'm just going to go one NFL-wise. Justin Herbert, how good are we talking? Because um, you're seeing the evolution of a young man here now. And, you know, last night was just brilliant. And um, obviously, you know, as you guys know, um, Chris Collinsworth, BFF, the relationship of just like, all right, you dopes, you're going to play man again. All right, turn your backs. There's a wide open hole. But you're talking about the, the talent, just a special Special talent and no brands, fans. I'm not dissing Baker Mayfield. We always try to do at least one thing NFL every now when we get John here. John, you're starting to see something special in LA. Granted, nobody in LA maybe is there to see it, um, but Justin <laughs> Herbert himself certainly becoming a player. Yeah, his overall grade this year is an 89, which if I just which if I kind Damn. of delay and look at the overall grades for passers this year, uh, passing grade overall this year, he's he's number tied for sixth. Um, and then overall grade, he is uh, third. So he and you know the running the running part of that is, is big, right? His grade his grade as a runner is an eighty two point two. His grade as a passer is an eighty four point six. But um, he's he's not fumbled it at all this year, and he's also um, protecting the ball from you know an interception standpoint. Um, he's he's doing a really good job. His interception in yesterday was a batted pass, not his fault type yep. type situation. Um, obviously the, the size, the speed, the athleticism that he has, it's, it's a whole package. Um, and this is, you know, the difference, like a, you know, a lot of people kind of compared him to like a Josh Allen coming out type stuff. The, the difference was that Justin Herbert was much better in college than what J- uh, Josh Allen showed in college. Um, both guys, obviously big and tall and, and athletic and all that stuff. Right. But I think with Justin Herbert, he did it at a higher level and was more consistent in college. Um, where, but, and also, he, but similar wise, like he didn't really have much to throw to it at, in college. Like he was just throwing it to a bunch of scrubs. So, um, you know, his development is, is to me is actually kind of shocking. I, I didn't expect him to develop this quickly, uh, and be this good, this fast, and we'll see if he can maintain it, but he's got a good environment around him there and he's, he's really kind of lighting it up in, in the NFL landscape and kudos to him. He's he's doing a really good job. You know who <laughs> Mac Jones is number four in the NFL. I just see that. Uh I love Mac Jones coming out too. McCorkle, McCorkle. All right. We're gonna close it out with this, John Costco. As everybody knows, Thanksgiving Thursday. John, the three best sides to accompany you or me on Thanksgiving of. So I love green bean casserole. I love wild rice casserole, which is more mm-hmm. of a Minnesota thing. If people don't probably have much for wild rice casserole, but it's absolutely delicious. And a sweet potatoes, mashed sweet potatoes. I do not do the like canned sugary sweet potatoes stuff or whatever that you you bake or whatever. Like the dessert even with the marshmallows on top. That's not what I do. I do yeah. a, I do a mashed sweet potato that's savory and it's with lots of cream and butter and it's delicious. So those are my my top three sides. What about you? It depends. If it's mom stuffing with the ground sausage in it, you cannot go wrong there. A little fried onion, a little celery. Um, won't get these anymore. I have never had a mashed potato in my life that tastes nearly as good as my father. And we weren't nobody was allowed in the kitchen. So I'm sure I'm assuming the amount of cream, milk, butter that went in it was enough to stop a ticker. Um, but by absolute, absolutely fantastic and my aunt used to make what was called a frittata dolce which was kind of like a fried type of corn bread thing oh god i miss family thanksgiving but the white family will be home 
this year. I don't think right. my wife and children have ever had a holiday where we've just been at home by ourselves. All um, right. And I ain't lying to you, John. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> After 47 years for to know that I maybe don't have to remove, you know, I can keep sweatpants on for the entire day. It absolutely is. <laughs> Um, yeah. We'll get to this stuff as the week goes on here. John, to you and your family, I wish you guys obviously you know the best and you know happy Thanksgiving. Um, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. And everybody, look, just because we're closer, don't you know? Let's not be the idiots that make this go on longer. Look, the sixty-person Thanksgiving, maybe we don't need that. Twenty, twenty-five. Hey, do what you got to do, but let's hopefully get to this where we can all start going back to every facet of our lives in every possible way. So you know, obviously Thanksgiving week here. Um, I don't see any reason we're going to have to alter the lineup. We have permission to alter the lineup of shows this week if we choose to. Um, the way it's looking, everything's going to line up. You get your normal content this week the way you normally would. He is John Costco from PFF. The Under the Lens segment, obviously we do this every week, um, whether it's a win, whether it's a loss. And it's funny, sometimes the losses are good conversations. Sometimes the wins aren't such good conversations as you got here today. Uh, but I do appreciate John for making his time here out for that. And I, you, I know you guys have always you enjoyed this aspect of the show. Make sure you're following at John Costco three, um, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, follow and subscribe to the lockdown Browns podcast, five-star ratings, written reviews, make us, uh, again, thank us everybody for making us your first listen every day. That is it. This has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.